This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. We're getting you set for the weekend. We're swinging open that gateway, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk audiobooks. We'll uh, talk about segments you can go back and check out from this program. And shortly, a little gardening, just so you have something to tend to, especially if you're stuck inside right now or thinking of what I'm going to do in my garden in the summer. We'll talk to Susan Kearney in just a moment. But first, a little of the month that we Mm -hmm. read. So I'm going to ask you to get into that a little bit. I'm, by the way, Kelly McDonald, and she is... Ramia Amuthan. Yes, we have our book of the month. We're discussing it on the last Tuesday of the month, which is the 28th. Michael Fair recommended this one for us. He, uh, I mean, sorry, it's called Exhalation Stories, and it's by Ted Chang. You may be familiar with him, but this is a release from 2019. It's available in human narration on Sela, and it is available for a purchase on Audible. So this is a collection of short fiction, nine stunningly original, provocative, and poignant stories, tales that tackle some of humanity's oldest questions, along with new quandaries that only Ted Chang can imagine, they say. Uh, There are three highlights for you here. One of them is Merchant and the Alchemist Gate. In this one, a portal through time forces a fabric seller in ancient Baghdad to grapple with past mistakes and free choice. Second chances, sorry, I lied. So second chances and past mistakes. That's one of the story's premises. The second one, called Exhalation, an alien scientist makes a shocking discovery with ramifications that are literally universal. Curious about that one. And anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. In this short story, the ability to glimpse into alternate universes necessitates a radically new examination of the concepts of choice and free will. So there are new stories in this one. There are also rare, uh, uncollected, unreleased work by Ted Chang. So check it out and discuss it with us on March 28th when we will be joined by Mike Fair himself on the panel. Awesome. Let's uh, talk a little gardening now, ladies and gentlemen, with Susan Kearney as we bring Sue in. Sue, thanks for being with us. And hello. today, something really cool. And, and I think, Sue, we kind of... Touched last week so much, and now we're going to cover off Evening Primrose a little bit more and fill us in Mm -hmm. on this wonderful one. Uh, Can you describe it for us? Yes. Um, This is a North American um, native plant, and uh, it it is a perennial, and it can grow up to about four to six inches tall, and it comes in lovely yellows and reds, and um, sometimes red with yellow centers, purples and pinks and whites. Um, it, it is a very interesting plant because um, when it grows, it will uh, seed itself, and that is, I will say it's one of the, um, one of the backdrops of the plant because uh, it seeds very easily. And a lot of people don't want it in their garden because of that. And uh, it right. may actually go to your neighbor's garden, too, <laughs> because they see very easily. <laughs> One way to get around that is to once it flowers before it seeds, just 
um, pinch off those flowers when they start to die off because that's when you know that it's going to seed. So it, it will, and, and, and that way you, you can control it somewhat in, into, your, into your garden and that way you won't. You won't get a huge, huge amount. Um, I'm going to be, as um, as I've said before, I'm starting a, a lot of <clears throat> plants this year, hopefully, um, of um, North American native um, uh, origin. And it is going to be one of the plants that I'm going to put into my, my garden. Uh, hopefully I can find it. Um, sometimes the uh, North American native plants are, are difficult to find, and uh, so I've I will be looking for that plant and uh, placing it in my garden because it's it is an interesting plant in that um, there it pollinates different pollinators um, come to this plant because it's called evening primrose because it opens in the evening. Oh, so hmm. yes, so it does not get pollinated by bees <clears throat> or butterflies. Mm-hmm. It's moths and small bats which is right. very interesting. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. So a couple of the questions, Sue, that I have as you're describing and telling us about it. Is there, <laughs> first of all, a smell? And with it opening um, in the evening, does it need to be in light, a lot of light in the day, partial? See, I'm learning from our segments with you. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> um, it does have a, a very, um, very lovely light lemony scent. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, it, it, that it, you can smell it at night. Um, it, it's very strong, actually, and that is how it uh, attracts uh, the moths and the uh, and the little bats. And yes, it does grow in the sunlight. It loves the sunlight, um, mostly sunlight, because it it was originally, I, I would say, a metal flower, um, uh, like a wild metal flower. That's that's how it originated. Oh, okay. So it grew among, you know, grasses and metals and so on and so forth. So it, that, yes, it, it, it does need sunlight, absolutely. But it's not taking in that sunlight during the day in their flowers because it is actually closed up and sleeping. Mm. Hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that you said, you know, it's hard to find these North American natives sometimes sounds yeah. really ironic, Susan, but I know that that's a thing. And you've talked about native plants around um, Canada before, and there yeah. are a lot of questions. But do they grow in the wild? Like, where can we run into the primrose now? Well, I would suspect that probably um, in, in meadow areas that have not been cleared, Okay. Um, you probably can find them uh, probably along um, escarpments uh, where people hike. I would suspect if someone knew how to find one within the foliage there, they, they would be there because they, are, they do grow wild, um, and uh, that's, that's where you would probably find them. And um, I'm, I'm hoping to put them in my garden because they'll do well. They, they, you know, they're, they're, they, because they're Native North American, they will not... Um, have a lot of the pests that um, many of the other plants have. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that that's a worry for me. I don't. Um, I don't use any kind of insecticide. But um, w- with these, then and also the the winters, whether they're long, whether they're harsh, whether there's freezing and thawing, because it'll be used to that. that its genetics is used to that um, uh, type of. Uh, you know, type of environment. Right. So it's a good one to have in, into your in, in your garden. I'm probably going to be putting it into containers. 
because that's pretty well how I do a lot of gardening now is in the container, um, in container gardening. Let's see how they do. <clears throat> the other um, thing about this plant is that it is totally edible. Um, oh. And I, I wouldn't eat it. Um, I wouldn't know how to prepare oh. it. But you can't have, like, candied primrose? No. Yes. Yeah. If someone did know how to prepare it, <laughs> it, is, it is totally edible, and it is also a medicine. Really? Wow. I wonder what it's used for. Yes. Okay. Um, there are several things that it is, is used for. You can actually buy... Um, you can actually buy the uh, capsules of the dried um, uh, evening primrose in the health food stores. A lot of people who have um, muscle problems use this um, medicine, uh, usually um, with a, um, a holistic um, doctor or someone who can help them with this. And I don't know um, too much about that end of it, but I know that it has been used um, a lot um, in that kind of holistic medicine uh, for um, arthritis, for muscle pain. Uh, and actually, and I will tell you, my husband takes it. He has taken it for years uh, for muscle cramps, and um, yeah, he has been on that for a very long time. Then mm. I would suspect that there are other people who are too. And that... Um, that is very interesting and uh, a very valuable plant, actually, because of its uh, medicinal purposes. Is it essentially a muscle reactor or uh, relaxant? It, I, I believe that it yes, I believe that it stimulates the muscles so that they don't they don't cramp. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know much more about it. Um, I do know yeah. my husband has taken it because um, uh, when uh, when I said I was going to be talking about it, he said yes. I took I took a capsule of that this morning. So <laughs> and that's what I was wondering. I wonder if you know yes. it's it's a an ingredient maybe not commonly but ingredient in a lot of the natural uh, medicine combinations. Yeah, maybe yeah. Yeah, that and people I think don't. A lot of holistic, mm-hmm, yes, a lot of holistic medicines, and um, I know that it has been used and tested on um, other other um, muscul- neuromuscular diseases, mm. which, which is very, very interesting. So, a very interesting plant, and uh, every single portion of that plant is um, it, it is used like edible right. or can be used well, for yeah. medicine, which. Which is, is is very cool. That's a very cool thing. How it is actually prepared, I don't, I don't know. I don't know whether I'll actually figure out how to use some of it. Maybe some of those little lemon blossoms um, to uh, to put into salads, maybe. Uh, and and that is something else I'm going to have to look into because I'm, I might try it for culinary, uh, the the culinary. Um, experience of it. That would be interesting. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you can find enough ways and how much. Sue, what color is it? Um, it comes in many colors, um, yellow, um, pink, white, and then there's red and red and yellow in the, in the center and some purple. So it, it can come in many different colors. I don't know what color I, I will get. I, it'll be interesting to find out. I'll take any of, any of the colors, but yes, it, it does come in many, many different colors. So it's, it's a very, um, very, you know, interesting plant it would fit into a lovely um native uh native garden and since it does um pollinate pollinates by uh different means 
by um, moths and bats. It was very, very interesting. Unique, yes. Yeah, well, it's going to be great. And Sue, thank you for being so knowing so much, <laughs> sharing it with us, and your neighbors will appreciate when you nip those flowers off so you're not sharing the seeds with them. <laughs> we know you're generous, but... Thanks, Sue. Bye. We'll talk Bye. to you next week as we do that. A little gardening with Sue every week at this time right here on Kelly and Rumya. Up next, ladies and gentlemen, one of the favorites of the program. And get yourself ready because, you know, it's always nice to get that recommendation of what you could start reading over the weekend. The Chatty Bookshelf, next with Ryan Huey, and he dives into Colin Kaepernick's new book. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Do you live in the Calgary area? Are you interested in being a part of a studio audience? AMI's original series, By Hook or By Cook, is filming two episodes in Calgary March 17th. That guy, Jim Crisco, he'll even be there. You can uh, say hi to him. Aw, Jim. Uh, and you're invited to be a part of this. The day includes the following. Your picture taken walking the red carpet. Refreshments. That's the one that gets rummy every time I mention it. Yep. A meet and greet with Bruce Cook and other cast members. A gift bag valued, ladies and gentlemen, at $75. Mr. Dave Brown, from now with Dave Brown, he'll be hosting these two episodes on March 17th. For more information and, of course, you want to reserve that spot so you can go, info at mi.ca. Uh, do that. Get in on it and really have some fun next Friday. That's a week away. And there are still some seats. I was checking with Greg David yesterday. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. I really used to eat a lot of snacks during, the, during show. the show. Yeah. Yeah, TV killed that for you. Sorry. Uh, maybe it's a temporary death. However, Ron, maybe we'll be happy it. for the behind the scenes people yeah. who can. You guys eat. enjoy. Enjoy your snacking. Yeah. Chocolate. <laughs> Irene. Discreet. Irene. She can she's just eating all our favorite foods. To our <laughs> face. All right. You, you'll <laughs> leave and there'll be nothing for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing left by 4 p.m. Uh, let's talk audiobooks to distract ourselves. Here's Ryan Huey. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. Ryan, it's so nice to talk audiobooks with you every Friday. How's it going? Thanks for having me, guys. It's going well. How are you guys? Doing great. I got to say, I'm I'm not in a rut. I am in the middle of a book, and I've been reading it for like two and a half weeks now, uh, taking my time and haven't read anything else while reading this one. It's long. And well, I thought you were going to say savoring every moment yes, on normal speed. That's 100%. That is what it is. Okay. Normal every speed. Moment. I like how you got that dig speed. right in there. It is normal speed, too, because this one has a lot of Why? like actual information, and I want to digest. Oh, my life's work is over. She's listening <laughs> to normal speed. I was just going to say, All right. come what on. a backhanded slap to lie. everybody. Like this no. one has actual, <laughs> and she, like, as if the other books she reads 
don't have any real value. It's not going to, no, they all have value, but I just mean this one's not just about performance. It's not fiction. There's actual information to kind of take in. So when you listen <laughs> at normal speed, you'll digest You actually it. take it in? Don't, yeah, don't laugh. No, I take in all the books. I take in all the books. But, but right. be careful, might be pushing some other stuff out of, the, of your brain. So just I know. be careful with that. I know. It's a dangerous game. Like yeah. Kelly's comments? Uh, yeah, maybe. All right. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they stay in our heads forever. What That's do you right. have for us today, Rye? This one is so cool, and I'm, I've been excited for this one for a long, long time. I was wondering when it was coming, and it finally has, and it does not disappoint. It's one of the most interesting listens that I've had through my entire lifespan of listening to audiobooks, and that's Ooh. not taken lightly. So that's this one was news. really interesting, and it's for... It's for some really interesting reasons and not the ones that uh, everyone will think once we kind of dive into it a little bit. Okay. What book is it? So it's called Change the Game and it's by Colin Kaepernick. Everybody knows uh, him, household name, right? So yeah. I, I, already I know where your mind is going. And yes, everything is mentioned about that. But it's an audible original. It clocks in at one hour, 32 minutes. So it's super short if you're looking for something to kind of tide you over. Uh, it's available in their free section. But also, um, if you're not a member, you can just kind of pick this one up and it's super cheap and, and get going with it. But it kind of tracks not only all of the things that have been in his public, very, very public life, but also it kind of goes back to his humble upbringing. And that was sort of the story that I liked. I Did you say, of, right, before you continue, did you say an hour and change? Yes. Hour and a half. Yeah, so it's oh, super so short. You read it, 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah, but that's like not even, you know, is it a memoir? Would you say this is a memoir or is it very specifically focused yeah, on the I event? Would say, no, no, it's 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 uh, it's a little bit of both, and I think what they're doing here, and uh, this is just my audiobook mind at work. I think this is just a teaser, and now okay. I think there's going to be something else that goes into it, or maybe they're going to split it into not so much a podcast, but one of those hybrid podcast audiobook things where it's like, oh, we could definitely do another hour and a half, and mm -hmm. you know, split it up into six different air quotes episodes, and I think that might be where it's going, right? Because there's so many questions left unanswered. Uh, like or a Netflix it special. It starts off, right? That seems exactly, to be the right? way we're going a lot. And it starts off, and you, you really don't mess with this. He was the best number one prospect for baseball. That's right, guys, baseball growing up, and he was about to go first overall. And then I don't want to say he changed his mind, but he took a chance and said, you know what? I want to play football. Huh. Let's see if I can do it. And then kind of no scholarship offers, no nothing. And then they go into his experience in college. And that's sort of where the activism began. Uh, he was getting some pushback and not being treated the way he, I guess, wanted to or deserved to uh, at, at college. And it, it sort of spun into that, right? And it's really interesting to hear this part of the story. The best part about this, obviously, he narrates it, but even better, and I didn't think I would like this, it's a full cast. So a full cast split into an hour and 32 minutes. It's almost wow. done in dialogue perspective. So it's really cool to kind of pick it up and say, oh, well, this is his mom or this is his dad or this is a teacher or whoever, a coach that's talking. It's really cool to kind of get that dynamic going, right? And obviously they talk about the Nike commercial that he's best known for his activism and the first player in the NFL to kneel during the American National Anthem. And that's where I thought, I don't want to say the gossip or that that's where I kind of thought would be the most interesting part of the story, but it's not. 
it's going back to all his work in the predominantly back, uh, black underprivileged communities and how he supported them, even when he didn't have any money, when he was mm. just a, a college athlete. And I really enjoyed that part because you look at it and for all of the, let's say, controversial press he gets, no one ever speaks about this part of it. And that's I, I think this is a great platform for him to get that word out and to speak on, on this. And it was really, really touching to see some of the things that he went through in life and how he doesn't want others to go through and he wants to others to have a, a even better chance than he did, if, if that's even possible, right? Right, right. You know, it's interesting because unless you find that stuff on an E60 when someone gets into their career and they're looking back... You're not going to hear. It's it's really interesting and unfortunate how we don't get those as part of the packages put together when it comes to a playoff game and the pregame show, and we're going to get to know this person a little more. The activism stuff doesn't sell, it almost seems like. Um, it's sort of like the when they work with athletes or or well-known celebrities i think can say the same thing if they work with marginalized groups in some way i think there's such an awareness that people are going to say well i'm only hearing about that because we're trying to make that person look like they're a community and selfless person and i think they get caught so we don't hear about it and if they're doing the stuff before they become somebody uh, yeah we can leave that off that we people want to hear the other stuff about them it's the stuff that no, gets exactly. left on and the, the, uh, the narrative that is just the narrative is so incredible and it's really yeah. funny because you think about it like we all forget this and he makes a joke about it but he lost in the super bowl and that's what he should probably be, be most memorable remembered for ah. but he's not right like you you think like oh well he oh. was a quarterback that lost in in the super bowl and that's not that's not at all that's kind of fifth or sixth on the list now and it's it's interesting to get his his take on it and i guess now it's become almost a little bit comical to him because every uh, you know uh, everything is just so um so so focused on everything else is just so focused on and there's the the Nike commercial which uh is an unbelievable campaign and uh, I think he's he's really proud of that and I I really uh really admired that too of that part of the book like mm. I said I thought it was going to be more gossipy and what's the narrative going to be because of all the things that have been in the news and um what has started out as you know some humble beginnings has come to this right and there's that mm. very public exit from the nfl and yeah. how um the nfl viewed him and and those sort of things and they're mentioned but it's not the focus they really chose the correct focus for for this uh book and for nice. this um this painting person. That's what i really enjoyed uh, that's what i really enjoyed about it painting a, a full picture of him again right because we can get really narrowed in on what's the most recent uh what he's been up to most recently, but uh, you're right. I think you're pointing out a lot of different ways. Does he talk about the moments leading up to the kneeling during the national anthem? Does he bring that picture in? He does, but, and this is where my, my previous idea of like, okay, this is going to be some sort of series comes into play because you could write a whole book just on those moments, yes, right? Yeah. And I, the I, decision I feel like they're, and how he carried it I out. Say, I don't want to say skipped over, but I feel like they, they're, there's some more attention that needs to be garnished there. And I, I don't think that it's given the right amount of attention. And for an hour and 30 minute book like I, I get it that's you're gonna have to cut some things out right like our book to movie adaptations a lot of things get cut mm. out but I think that there is 
a lot to be said about what they can do next and where they can go with this. And this one seems to be very popular because it's in all of the top lists on Audible right now. Uh, and it, I, I feel like a lot of people, sports fan or not, um, you, if you're into something and you, you've undoubtedly heard about the story, you're, you're definitely into the book, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think uh, like it's kind of the the perspective that I would like to know about, you know, and everybody will pick up, like you're saying, exactly what you're saying. Uh, people will pick up this book for various reasons, however they know him, however they've piqued his interest, or he's piqued their interest. But that, somebody pointed out in something I watched recently that, you know, he was in a position where he didn't have to compromise a thing. He was huge in everything he was doing, and yet he decided to go out there and do that, right? And make a statement um, that changed the course of his life, his career, everything. So I'm curious about, you know, why they didn't necessarily utilize that in this book, but I'm, and I'm on totally on board with what you're saying, Raya, about it's gonna go more places than this. There's gotta be another version or episode or sequence to this release. I have to wonder Absolutely. if it's because it's the most public thing known about him. And I have a feeling when you get expressing yourself right, you want people to see the other reasons that may help guide you into how come I did that? How it isn't just me. Yeah, maybe it's still a discovery process. This is, yeah, I think so. But also, it lets us know that this just wasn't something like, yeah, I'm going to take a knee. Maybe there was something that happened the day before that made him feel. That sensitivity, I think the book lets us know that this is the character of the person. This is a character book. Mm. And it's interesting because now going back based on both of your comments there, he was telling things that I don't think he necessarily had to again. So uh, the book opens and this is a secret, but if you pick it up, you're, you're going you're gonna to know right away. But he was having a discussion with someone that was playing in the MLB. And uh, they were like, you know what, uh, for all intents and purposes, and this was the quote, baseball is a white man sport and Colin was like well hold on maybe I want to play football instead and that's sort of where mm. the decision was like to kind of transfer over oh, and yeah. again that's that that just shows to his character that shows to what he wanted to be portrayed as and what he wanted to kind of do in, in you know growing up in his neighborhood and, and to his family and friends and at large the, the world right the public so he's very public and uh in his activism and and speaking out and it, you know what it's it's really gotten me to think a lot more about some of the things and what a great platform some of our professional mm -hmm. athletes have and how they use it or how they misuse it in in, in some people's terms yep. yep yeah and and i mean i guess he takes us through the journey of how he felt through all these different stages and crossroads in his life because that you know you've mentioned it several times already ryan but it's a big deal saying you know i was great at baseball i was number one and i decided not to go through with it at all well the path was set i yep. mean i don't yep. want to say he didn't have to work hard but it was it was set for him there was a lot that he could do there and he was really set up but he's like no just kidding i think i want to do this and obviously there has to be talent there but it, 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 just to to switch something like that just oh okay i'm going to go to yeah. this and and be something and deeper at it that's amazing yeah something deeper uh that moved him that way right we got to go thank you so much have a great weekend guys talk to you soon you too ryan who we on the chatty bookshelf where we talk audiobooks on fridays well, folks, we now at the end of the week, as we just about have the gateway to the weekend open, we like to look back and uh, revisit on conversations from this past week on the program that we've had. And we call it Cut for Time. 
will uh, also weigh in and make some comments too. So stick around. That's ahead. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. They got some most I've heard Rumya talk sports and mixed in with a book. And even earlier this week, she was mentioning it in one of our meetings, getting ready for the show, and got Jeff Ryman excited uh -huh. about a book. Yeah, look at this, eh? Getting me to talk about wow. sports through books. You guys are so smart. Isn't it? That's a Jeff <laughs> Ryman idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and then we Maybe got Jeff Ryan talking about books through sports. Oh, my gosh. It works yeah, in every mixed way. Up this week. Is this really Friday? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, folks, at this point on Friday, as we are swinging open the gateway to the weekend, we'd like to remind you, check out the show via the Kelly and Ramya podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. And if you would, give us a rating and review. We also want to welcome back to the conversation on the program, Mr. Grant Hardy, our reporter out in Vancouver. And Grant, I'm going to be handing the floor over to you because you're going to reminisce a little bit about a conversation from Tuesday's show. Okay, well... You know, uh, it's going to be a relaxing weekend this week. Oh, wait a minute. It's daylight savings. So we talked <laughs> with <an> Francis. <laughs> we talked with Francis Wong about some of the unintended consequences of daylight savings. Here she is with a few interesting facts. Pfizer's. In work, fact, workplace injuries go up after daylight saving time in the spring. Oh. Dr. Stanley Corrin is a psychologist out of the University of British Columbia who wrote a letter to the New England Journal of Medicine in 1996 outlining some of the concerns of insufficient sleep and disrupted circadian rhythms. He names major disasters such as the nuclear accident at Chernobyl, the Exxon Valdez oil spill, and the destruction of the space shuttle Challenger, all as having the common denominator of being linked to insufficient sleep, disrupted circadian rhythms, or both on the part of involved supervisors and staff. On a smaller scale, studies have shown that a loss of one hour of sleep during the time change in the spring has resulted in an 8% increase of traffic accidents, whereas in the fall, the same change of the clock back one hour shows the decrease of accidents of approximately the same magnitude. And each time we lose an hour, it can take up to five days for the effects of sleep deprivation to wear off. Yeah, I find this just so fascinating in a number of ways because we have so much hard data about this. And yet we're humans seem like we're really bad at make, making evidence-based decisions on things. <laughs> because as much as I love gaining that extra hour in the winter first of all i gotta tell you that in vancouver it's dark enough in the winter time but during this time like before daylight savings you know we have periods where our sunset is like at 4 30 or 4 45 in wow. the afternoon maybe it's like terribly early uh but also just looking at all these un unintended uh accidents and, and consequences I, I remember once seeing someone uh, about uh, some sleep issues I was having about 10 years ago and they said believe it or not the the best way to fix your sleep 
uh, is to actually shift your sleep schedule forward, like go to bed later and later until you've gone all the way around the clock Whoa. and you're now sleep, sleeping at the appropriate time. Now that's clearly not something most of us can do, but to lose an hour every single year, I just think this is so unhealthy and I think we need to abandon uh, this practice. What do you guys think? Mm. Wow. That, that to me is unbelievable. When you think about how long we've talked about abandoning it, we've talked about the fact that nowadays it doesn't serve the purposes that it once did. And we have the data that Francis mentioned, um, hazards to do it. You know, we'll laugh it off. Hey, you lose an hour this weekend. You gain one in the fall. Yay. <laughs> but it really has become a non-funny subject. Um, one that, and, and as Francis went through it, when you hear, oh, part of this province does it, this country, only a quarter of here, to, it just becomes laughable and unnecessary. Now, Francis also mentioned during the subject, they had the wartime, and I'm sure when they got past that, they started to look back and say, what did that really accomplish? So... It seems to be this one topic, Ramya, that people go through, we all laugh at it, and in the moment we're waiting with bated breath for, in Ontario here, Quebec to say we're on board, Michigan, mm -hmm. New York, you guys with us, and we're waiting. Yeah, I mean, the one thing to say is that a couple of years ago when we brought it up, uh, or when we bring it up in the past, it was more like, yeah, I wonder what it would be like to not do this anymore. And slowly but surely, we're actually talking about the more serious consequences. Francis mentioned the ones that we played here, but also several other very drastic consequences. Like you, you mentioned evidence-based, Grant, you know, heart attacks and accidents and Accident. all kinds of things that people are going through um, because they're losing the hour of sleep. And we're not just talking about, you know, you and I having to get up and do uh, our broadcast day, right? Like we're talking about people in different industries doing physical labor and living on sleep deprivation until they can apparently go around the clock and, and get their sleep back again. That's just um, an unbelievable amount of time that is, you know, not not great on our health. So, yeah. And Let's, the amount of days it takes to get your body back. We talk about it if you travel out west or out east, what, Ooh, if you're yeah. out west, what it does and yeah. days it takes. It takes a long time. We're going to skip back to Monday for a second and talk about uh, Dave Epstein from a Werewolf Gear. He's a guest who joined us to talk about the all-terrain cane, and he's explaining here the difference between this cane and other white canes. Materials and design okay. and function. Um, I needed the cane to be super strong but super light to be able to support my weight and my support my needs out on the trails. So... I built a cane out of titanium, all right? Went with a space-grade titanium alloy, so it's super light and incredibly strong. Um, the grip is also different. I'm using a 16-inch foam grip, and that gives us the ability to choke up uh, when we're climbing, when we're descending, uh, plenty of room uh, for travel on the handle. Um, half of the grip does have that flat section, Half of it is round. Um, and the grip is also able to be adjusted in height. So the cane mm -hmm. can go really from 51 
to about 62 inches in length or about 130 to 155 centimeters. Um, I also chose the two inch round uh, rolling ball and all together, the, the all-terrain cane just meets all of our needs out on the trails and keeps us safe and supported. So I will say, A, I've been using my mobility cane daily for the last 11-ish years, because before that I was I had trouble getting in touch with my cane. Uh, but it, it's been only, you know, two, three months since I've switched my tip. For any white cane users who may know, the, the tip I was using was the default rolling tip, and I switched over to the ball tip, which is not aesthetic. It's like the size of a tennis ball. It's pretty humongous. But it, the difference in mobility is stark. I mean, the contact, the, um, you know, a lot of us talk about this cane being just an extension of ourselves, right? The, the contact and the tactile feedback that I receive now from using this ball tip, and even if I'm feeling, to put it, you know, bluntly, kind of lazy, you know, my technique isn't great today because I'm tired, I don't really want to be out, eh, I know this familiar path, I'll just kind of... Uh, constant contact my cane lazily through. Uh, I think that the ball tip has made a drastic difference for me. So that is where I'll start because I can understand from that particular point of view that this uh, all-terrain cane would be incredible for people who want to venture off the beaten path, as um, as Dave put it. Uh, however. Switching over to a very unfamiliar cane like this one, or even some of the smart canes we've been talking about on the show, will be difficult for a lot of us who've used our canes um, a certain style, the classic cane. The handle has been the same. The only thing different for a lot of us is the height, because we have to adjust the height to our, our own preferences. And, and then having to say, okay, but try this one. And it's very different. The weight distribution is different. The way it feels in your hands is different. The way that it moves is different, but potentially just like the material itself is, uh, it can throw you off. So I think it does take some time for people who feel like me to get used to a whole new device or tool. Cause even if it is the same tool, there's so many adjustments made for this particular, uh, device, like this variation of it, that it feels like an altogether different thing. Grant, would you, first of all, try something like this out just to experiment? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think some of the most significant things that have happened with commercial canes over uh, the last, you know, several years is they've become lighter yes. uh, and they've become folding. Uh, I don't know that there, you'd be hard pressed to really find a cane that doesn't fold up these days. I'm sure they are out there, but most canes fold up. Unfortunately, canes tend to be pretty weak as mm -hmm. a result and can easily get bent or I don't know if you guys have ever had, but I've definitely had accidents where my cane has actually uh, uh, gotten damaged as I'm walking and I've been advised to to carry a backup. Uh, so I think this is, and canes are really designed for city use, like yeah. at the end of the day. Uh, so when I did do the grind blind with once ago, where we hiked up uh, the Grouse Mountain, Grouse Grind, and a couple other hikes as well, uh, I actually used, and indeed we all use these hiking poles that we painted to look like white canes. Uh, and 
they were very different like you said they the the weight distribution the tip the tactile feedback everything about them was different and that was kind of a disadvantage but the advantage was that they were mainstream hiking poles so they were really designed for that all-terrain so i think having a proper all-terrain cane like that is a fabulous idea i've never tried a proper all-terrain cane like this one but i think i absolutely would a little more skeptical about the the smart canes just because i think that can kind of add on a lot of stuff that may not stay consistent going forward but the all-terrain cane kelly uh, i think is a great idea i like that you mentioned guys the poles too because in fairness, Grant, I know Dave did mention people using those kind of hiking poles. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of the support, but I do think you're right, Grant. It's hard to find one that you couldn't fold up because of the other needs that people need and generally needing while in a city, while getting around and having to walk to an office, be at school or whatever it might be, and needing to put it away. I know myself, I've bent canes, slipping on mud or whatever, jabbing it into the ground, the darn thing bending it's not holding me up so <laughs> definitely or fiberglass or whatever it's made out of some of those but definitely what dave was referring to is the way i'd love a cane to have that strength that that uh metal vertical that would loading really, yeah exactly right and but are you going to find or make one that's foldable does the foldable compromise it that much more so it wouldn't so I've gone for that ball that Ramya talked about. I used to always have a ball on one. I, I didn't for a while. I got tired of it getting caught in the sidewalks when I'd be here doing cane travel. When I got the ball, I became incredibly lazy, sweeping the cane back and forth because the ball went over everything. So I found off-roading if I had to do it, not a problem. But trying just a standard tip, no. And, and I get we're not supposed to be off-roading, cutting across lawns or whatever. But if you're Aww. in a situation hiking, you're going biking, and you're with people, you can't be tripping over everything either, just like you don't want to be within the city. So I found, for me, the ball, that, uh, that middle ground. So I really took that when he mentioned it. We, on Wednesday, got into a very important health chat on the program. So our registered nurse, Leslie Depot was in and we talked about poison. Here's Leslie talking about some at-home remedies if you've been exposed to a poison. For things like a, like a dermal exposure, something gets on your skin, you're going to do something we always call thorough decontamination. Okay, so it's a good, there's very few products that we wouldn't recommend you to thoroughly decontaminate. Soap and water, good 15 minutes. Um, ocular exposures as well, you know, thorough irrigation, lots of times with little kids, you know, grab them, you're going to stand in the shower, you're going to turn the shower head on, you're going to blink over and over again right into that water, thoroughly irrigating as best you can. Um, you know, with inhalation exposures, one of the most common things you can do first is get away from it. Um, if there's something in the house that smells bad, then you are going to remove yourself and anybody else who's who's in the home away from the smell. Ventilate as best you can. Open windows, uh, turn on fans. Again, there's very few substances where that wouldn't be a recommendation. Uh, and when it comes to ingestion, you know, it's less about what you can 
can do and what you shouldn't do under no circumstances when it comes to any sort of accidental poisonous ingestion do we ever advise for you to induce vomiting okay that's a that's a very it's very commonly out there i think a lot of us were told that as a kid um, there are substances that can actually cause harm on the way down and if they come back up you've doubled the harm they have caused mm-hmm. um, as well the act of vomiting itself can is a risk for aspiration where a fluid would go instead of into your stomach into your lungs and can that can cause some really serious complications as well so inducing vomiting following any exposure is never something that that, that we'd recommend so i say it all the time we show up at 2 p.m eastern for class and we learn so much and that was probably <laughs> one of the biggest examples that i can give on this program or shall i say that leslie could give a lot of things there that we as low vision or blind people maybe we're not reading everywhere maybe people don't just stop to think about it you think about it in a time of crisis. And there were things there that she said, I know I bought into the old myths, the things that people said, oh, you go do this, make yourself sick if you've had, my gosh, the stuff in that segment, folks, really, really important, as as Leslie's are, as so much of the program is. But I really took from that, and again, it was one of those examples of something I wasn't really looking forward to finding out about. I didn't need to know. Not really. I thought I knew what I needed and beautifully learned so much more to learn, and I'm sure you guys felt the same. Folks, check out the podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher and go back and check these segments out. Grant, always wonderful to have you. Enjoy your time off. All right, guys, take it easy with that time change and Mm. have a fantastic weekend. Well, Grant, that may be why he's taking time off. (laughs) The five days necessary to recoup from it. (laughs) Ramya and I will be back. We'll tell you a little bit about what's coming up on the weekend on the networks, and we'll look ahead to our show for Monday. Stand by. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Earlier in the week, your puppy was uh, sort of on set. Let's go. Yes, he was here. Some pictures uh, were taken of him mm-hmm. at the scene of the crime and shown on air. Yeah, they I were. I like that. Catch yeah. him in the midst of trouble. He's on air right now. Look, he's on screen, I mean. Wave at him. Hey, Glizzy. He's really, really, really sad that he didn't get to come in today or yesterday. I'm sure he missed the place. Yeah. He looks forward to laying there, knowing he's got to lay around, listen to us laughing for two hours. Oh, so yeah. So excited for a dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he loves being here. So much social time. But that's okay. Uh, Paula's dog, Stella, was here today. So everybody got doggy time at least twice a week today. I mean, this week. I remember when we were more in the office, it was like a, a cycling of the dogs that would yes. show up like celebrities. They were almost like staff, London? you know? What's that? Is that why you stopped coming in and went to London? Exactly. Wow. Uh, that got you heard it, it, guys. He's um, mean. But it was almost like <laughs> staff that showed up in the office every once in a while, like Melville and those guys. You know, you could actually expect a dog to show up, the celebrity dogs from yes. AMI to do the same. Yeah, there were Real so tremendous. many. Yeah. Uh, folks, when you're settling back for the weekend, we've got some stuff for you to think about. Can't get enough of Rumya and her puppy? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what to do. 
Listen to her on Saturdays on AMI Audio Book Review, where Ramya introduces you to great new content in the audiobook realm with help from authors, listeners, and regular contributors to her show. Listen to AMI Audio Book Review Saturdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on AMI Audio. Yep. New episode this Saturday. We have Know Your Narrator with Sarah Hillis, and uh, we're featuring. A woman who's done a lot more than just narration. So check that one out. Also, for AMI-TV watchers, a really good sitcom is coming your way. Season one of CBC's uh, Son of a Critch debuts on Sunday on AMI-TV. And this is on Mark Critch's first day of junior high. It's marred by a bully, a young girl named Fox. I'm honestly... I can't stop laughing just thinking about it because it was such a funny scene in the book. Uh, so when Mark stands up for himself with the bully, he words he learns that words can hurt more than actions. Ouch. Uh, this is based on Mark Critch's best-selling biography, Son of a Critch, and it airs Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV, and that's every Sunday you can catch a new episode. Fox was the guy. Fox was the Remember the, the family, guy? the brothers? Oh, Yeah. Why does it say yeah. girl then? Oh, I guess <clears> they, <throat> may, they may have changed. Do I know? Well, they, I don't know maybe man. they re- maybe they rewrote the whole show. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's great. It's so funny because we did the book as part of our monthly book club, and uh, yeah. it was just so much fun. So many laugh um, out loud moments. Yeah, a lot of references too for us um, older set that remember so many of the things that um, he references and. Uh, he, he is just, it was just really wonderful what was put together. So if you haven't or are curious checking this series out, I, I give it for sure a thumbs up, just like reading the book. And Andy Frank had made that recommendation, so I didn't uh-huh. even realize. On our show on Monday, folks, Brock will be back with sports. And there's a part of the cor- curling format that he really likes and would like to see it carry over into other conventional sports. We also have Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin, and she's talking about wrongful convictions. Many, many, many examples uh, presently and historically about this. So we'll get into it on Know Your Rights. We hear so much about that and how all we can do later is say, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. So really looking forward to her conversation and all the other conversations on Monday. Ramya, enjoy yourself. Play in the snow. Oh, yes. Have a good weekend, Kels. You betcha. Folks, take care of yourselves. We've swung open the gateway to the weekend. We want you to take care. So you're back here with us Monday, but uh, mostly just enjoy, especially if you're going away on spring break. We're waving at you. Do me a favor, folks. Smile and I say it. Get out of here, will ya? Hosts, Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amadin. Reporter, Grant Hardy. Senior show producer, Jeff Ryman. Visual producer, Megan McGrath. Producer, Marianne Dion Jones. Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI Audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV production, Kara Nye. Vice President, Content Development and Production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc.
Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.